When hackers took out the power for more than 200,000 people in Ukraine last year, cybersecurity experts all over the world were stunned. It was the first known cyber attack to take down part of the power grid. Now, more than six months after the lights came back on in Western Ukraine, U.S. policymakers are beginning to ask themselves, can it happen here? I'm Jack Detch, a reporter with Passcode, the Christian Science Monitor's section on security and privacy in the digital age. The Cybersecurity Podcast, a project by New America and Passcode, usually features in-depth interviews with key leaders and thinkers in the field. But on this extra episode of the Cybersecurity Podcast, sponsored by the Edison Electric Institute, we'll take a look back at Passcode's recent Guarding the Grid event in Washington, D.C., to shed more light on what the Ukraine hack means for the security of the power grid. We hosted senior officials from the U.S. government and energy companies who told us about the challenges of preparing for a cyber attack. And I'm here to bring you some of the highlights. One of the first things cybersecurity experts started looking at after the attack was a software virus called Black Energy. Criminals began using that virus in the mid-2000s to break into banking websites. But there's some evidence that hackers used Black Energy to break into computers at Ukrainian power stations. And it's a threat that Southern Company CEO Thomas Fanning says he's known about for some time. Black Energy's been around for a long time. Black Energy was not designed to attack energy. It was actually, I guess, originally focused on things like the finance industry and a variety of other things. Evaluated as a giant um, Swiss Army knife. Has a lot of functionality. If the blade on the Swiss Army knife in Black Energy was a doorway that allowed bad guys to get in. So Black Energy enabled other people to get in. Fanning, who's responsible for keeping the lights on for more than 4 million Southern Company customers in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Mississippi, says U.S. companies are working hard to combat these kinds of threats. That could be tough. After all, many U.S. and Ukrainian power stations use similar equipment to communicate with industrial control systems. And if hackers did manage to cut out the lights in the U.S., Deputy Energy Secretary Elizabeth Sherwood Randall also has a tough job, making sure the public is informed. We know we have to ensure that we can talk to the people of our country about what is happening, why it's happening, what we're doing to restore power, and how long it will take. But figuring out what's going on during a cyber attack isn't always easy. Just consider this. It took a U.S. government team more than two months to confirm that it was a digital attack that took down Ukraine's power grid. Even though the U.S. government didn't have all the facts right away, cybersecurity experts like Robert Lee, CEO of Drago Security, thought the government should have responded faster. Lee says that after two months, the government put out very little new information that wasn't already widely known. I actually did not like to see the two-month gap between announcement of it occurring and a DHS response. Mm -hmm. I am completely empathetic to the fact that we want to get the facts right. But to say, hey, we're exploring this, we don't have the facts, but just to let the community know, the possible first cyber attack against a power grid that had outages did occur, it might be interesting to know that. Uh, I think that we've prepared long enough to be able to nail the response, and I don't feel that we did. Lee also says U.S. government officials often provide varying views on grid security. The National Security Agency's chief view, for instance, was quite different from that of the Department of Homeland Security. There's a bit of a a narrative confusion. I think that's actually one place we do have to be a little bit better. You have, at the same time, DHS reports coming out saying, we are good to go. Low impacts, no chance or low chance of having an impactful attack. 
And then we have Admiral Rogers coming out two months later saying it's not a matter of when, or excuse me, not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when this is going to happen. So it's not actually an issue at the utility level, I feel. I feel there's a national message mix-up that's causing confusion for energy companies. It's also not clear how governments would coordinate their international response to another Ukraine-style hack. And policymakers in the U.S. also haven't figured out if a cyber attack like that would constitute an act of war. And Texas Republican Congressman Will Hurd says there are no established rules for how the U.S. should respond. What is a digital act of war and what is our countermeasure? And, you know, the example I always use, if North Korea launched a missile into San Francisco, we all know how we would respond and the North Koreans know how we would respond. But is the attack, is, is stealing 23 million records from the Office of Personnel Management, is that an act of war? Is, is turning our lights on or trying to attack our grid, is that a digital act of war? Is tweaking um, some a bit and when it comes to the financial services industry, um, is that an act of war? And what then would be our response? And so that's where some of the conversations need to be having, and that's where you can have a partnership between the private sector and the government on saying what 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 does that look like? So how are the U.S. government and energy companies preparing for the worst-case scenario? The first step, says Sherwood Randall, is to think bigger when it comes to planning for a potentially catastrophic hack against the grid. Look, in the national security space, you <coughs> exercise to the most extreme scenarios because right. that prepares you for anything. And so I challenge us always to test our systems in ways that are, are uh, on the farthest side. Mm -hmm. uh, not because we necessarily anticipate that will happen, but the low probability, high consequence events are the ones that we need to ensure we're prepared to meet. That's led electric utilities to develop industry-wide cybersecurity requirements, according to Southern Company CEO Thomas Fanning, and develop channels to communicate quickly during a crisis. People in my industry, and I'll just speak for my industry, take this deadly seriously. And I can tell you, when we have made the call, get on a phone in one hour, either the CEO is on or their second is on, and we are able to operationalize. But employees in the electric utility industry also need to do their part. Analysts say oversharing on social media has become a huge problem for people working in sensitive facilities. Employees are apparently posting pictures of themselves at work on social media sites. And those selfies can reveal details of critical infrastructure that could be valuable for hackers looking to break in. The industry should have a simple rule, says Fanning. If you take a selfie on the job, you could be fired. We are spoiled as a nation. And what we have to bring into the workplace is a lot more discipline. If you work in a critical infrastructure area and you're taking selfies in that area, you are subject to termination. Yeah. You just have to have a different way to think about it. It's not free anymore. I know it's fun, but we run a business. We have a responsibility as a society to act in the right way. We've got to bring more discipline. For cybersecurity expert Robert Lee, improving grid security means getting better trained people, not software, to defend the power grid from attacks. The thing that is constantly moving is the people aspect, not the product on the network, not the regulation. They're baselines, they're starting points. The only thing that's consistently going to be a win for us is making smart people. It's very naive for anyone to assume that malware is the threat, that the black energy is the threat. It's the human on the other side of the keyboard. And again, it's very naive to assume that a flexible, persistent human threat is going to be stopped by a regulation or a box. It's just a starting point. We have to get trained and empowered defenders to counter human threats. And that's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity Podcast, a project by New America and Passcode. 
And thanks so much to the Edison Electric Institute for sponsoring this extra episode. And if you're interested in learning more about the digital threats to our power grid, check out Passcode's full Guarding the Grid event on our YouTube channel under the username CSMonitor100. And join us next month when we interview some of cybersecurity's biggest leaders and thinkers. And be sure to subscribe to us on New America's iTunes and SoundCloud at the Cybersecurity Podcast. Sign up for Passcode at csmpasscode.com. This podcast was directed by Morgan Anderson and Tori Silver with production assistance from Noel Flatt and Tim Malone. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this podcast from New America and the Christian Science Monitor. This recording carries a Creative Commons 4.0 international license. Music thanks to MK2 for their songs The Big Score and Cold Killa. To learn more about Passcode by the Christian Science Monitor, please visit passcode.csmonitor.com. To learn more about New America, please visit newamerica.org.